Well, salvation is a gift by faith alone in Christ alone. It's the gift of eternal life. And we realize the great truth that the moment you believe in Jesus Christ, we become a child of God. In fact, we become a citizen of heaven. I want you to think about that. Philippians 3.20 says, Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we actually uh, belong to Jesus Christ and our citizenship is in heaven, but yet we live down here. And we live in this world, and we're actually citizens of the United States, and we are citizens of our great nation. And Philippians 2.14 says, We prove ourselves to be innocent and blameless, children of God, above reproach, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, that means this fallen world, among whom we appear as lights in the world. So in the sense that we have trusted Christ, and our citizenship is heaven, and yet we actually live down here in, in the greatest country in the world. And, and not everybody lives in this great country. That's why so many people want to come here. <clears throat> well, we feel like that we, we know that we're to be lights in our country and in our world. And so we have a responsibility, a role and responsibility, and we started it last week. We'll finish it this week. It's three things. That to, as far as the government, we submit to the government, we pay taxes to the government, and we pray f- for our leaders. Now, we saw the first two last week, and I'm going to quickly, quickly just go through those. But if you remember that we submit to the government, Romans 13, 1 and 2 says, let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities. That means we come under the laws of our government, and whether we like the laws or not, we're supposed to come under the laws of our government. Why? For there's no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. That's Romans 13, 1 and 2. And so that idea is there. Uh, First Peter says, Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it's kings or governors. And why? Because they're sent for by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. Now, here's what you realize. That government's role is protection within and without protecting us within, and there are laws, and the laws of the government are to punish evildoers and to give praise to those who do what is right. Then without, we deal with enemies and those kind of things. That'd be our military. So that's the role of the government. So we're supposed to submit to that and to do what is right. We're to obey the laws of our government, and if we disobey, we could expect consequences. Now, we saw this last week. I want to remind you of this that any time you decide you're going to go contrary to a law of the government, whether you like the law or not, realize that if you decide to do that, there may be consequences. If you drive 80 and it's 60 or 70, you're going to get a ticket. And if you get a ticket, you say, that's not fair. The law of the government said 70, you were going 80. You, you, there are consequences. Now, we know this, that are there times to disobey the laws of the government? That would be when the government laws are contrary to the word of God. And so if the government is asking us to do things that are contrary to the Bible, I use this example that if they came to us and said no longer can churches actually teach the Bible, we'd say, well, you know, you'll have to put us all in jail or whatever because we're not going to stop teaching the Bible. We're not going to stop doing that. We already know that there's some people who've said, running for the presidency, he said that if a if a church doesn't hold to certain passages like 1 Corinthians 5 and 6, if, if, they, if we hold to them different than the culture holds to them, which we do, they would like to take away our tax-exempt status. So that's okay. They do that if you give because 
you get a tax break, then I'm not sure that's actually worshiping as you give. So we wouldn't worry about that. But there, you know, if that some people may come in and try to remove things. We talked about this that in California there's certain places that you can't, you're not supposed to be able to have a Bible study in your home because that's cars and it bothers people and they don't want you doing that. Well, we, we would still have one, that kind of thing. We know this, that in the first century in Acts chapter 4, verses 17 through 20, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, which is the ruling body of Israel, told the apostles that you could not, they could not proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. And the apostles told them, we will obey God rather than men, and they would suffer the consequences. And they were arrested a number of times and beaten because they proclaimed the message. So the first thing is that we submit to the laws of the government. We recognize that if we do go contrary to the laws of the government, there will be consequences. If we think the law of the government is contrary to the Bible, we can still go with the Bible, but expect that there may be consequences. The second thing is we don't like is to pay taxes, but... Paul says, render all to his due what is due. Tax to whom is due, custom to whom is custom, fear to whom fear, honor who is honor. So we may dislike it, but we're to do that. If you remember in Matthew, when they said to him, Jesus said, they said to him, Caesar, that, that's whose image is on it. Jesus said, whose image is on that coin? Because they came to Jesus and said, should we pay taxes to the Roman government? They thought they had him. If he said, no, don't pay taxes to the Roman government, they could get him in trouble with the government and get him killed. If he said, yes, pay taxes to the Roman government, then all the Jewish people would be opposed because they, they hated the Roman government. But Jesus said, who's on it? And they said, Caesar's on the coin. He said, then you give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and you give to God the things that are God. And so we are to pay taxes as much as we don't like it. Sometimes taxes are too high, we think. We wish they were fair. I don't, I don't think they're fair. Um, there's half the people in the United States don't pay any taxes at all, and then have a very small percentage of people pay about 70% of all the taxes. Uh, that doesn't seem fair to me, but that's uh, just the way that is. Now, the third thing, and this is where we stopped last week, and that is to pay, pray for the leaders. It is the responsibility of the believers to Pray for those in authority. Now let me show you what the verse says. <clears throat> it says, first of all then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. And then notice, for kings and all are in authority. Now, you, we've studied this many times when we did uh, the study of prayer. And we know that this Greek word for prayer means to ask a request, and this means to worship, this means intercession, this means thanksgiving. So there are actually four words for prayer, and we can pray any of those anytime, any place. He says, that be made behalf of all men and for kings and those who are in authority. So we're supposed to pray for people in leadership. Sometimes people find it hard to, especially if you say, well, I'm not going to pray for that person because they're totally opposed to what I believe. They, they, do, they want laws or regulations that are contrary. Well, why should we pray? Why should we pray? You know what he says? In order that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. He basically says pray for the leaders so that they might, that we might have peaceful lives. We know that when people get into leadership that are, in, that are bad, uh, the people don't have good lives. When people get into leadership that are good, you have good lives. 
And that's why we saw those Proverbs that says, when, when wise men rule, the people rejoice. When evil people rule, the people hide, the people sad. It's, it's just true. So you, we all know that when we have people who are good people in leadership, things are better. And when th- people are bad, and so, so here's the question. Are you praying for our leaders? State, local, and national. And sometimes we say things like, I don't even know who our local leaders are. I don't even know who our state leaders are. I was watching, uh, as I flipping back from football games last night, I was watching Waters World. They all know who Waters World is on Fox. He's interviewing people on the street, and he has pictures of all the, the people who are running for the Democrat, Democrat Party for office. And he holds them up, and he says, do you know who this is? No, not a single person on the street knew who those people were. Now, one lady did know, and she knew every one of them, and she knew what they believed, and she said, I don't believe any of it. But the rest of them all said things like, uh, one said, it showed a picture of Elizabeth Warren, and the guy said, I think that's my grandmother. But anyway, I mean, that's... So what we're seeing is the average person on the street doesn't even have a clue who people are running for office. And they don't have a clue of what they... I saw one the other day that they, they read a quote when Obama was president, and it was really a bad quote. And they, they had a picture of Trump, and they said, listen to this quote, and they quoted it, and of course they thought it came from Trump, and they said, this is the most hateful, terrible thing I've ever said, ever heard. And they said, well, that's what Obama said. And they, you know, so I mean, I'm not getting into who's right and who's wrong. I'm just saying that people don't know anything. They don't know anything. You can show a picture of a person running for president, they have no idea who he is. And so here's the question. Do we pray, pray for our state leaders, our local leaders, our national leaders? It really tells us to do it. And why? So that we'd have a quiet and peaceful life. So the best thing uh, we can do for our government is to, uh, is to pray for the leaders. And so it might be a good idea to know who are the people in leadership in Stillwater. Who are the people in leadership in our state of Oklahoma? And who are people in leadership in the, in the country? And to pray for them. I mean, some people, uh, some people do some things that are pretty evil in places of leadership. And some people do some things that are really, really good. And, and so we just need to be praying for them. And maybe God will raise up good people to be in places of leadership so that we live quiet lives. So the United States, we have the greatest freedom in the world. What amazes me are the people who, who say horrible things about our country. I just like to say to them, go somewhere else. Go somewhere else. This is the greatest country in the world. Just go somewhere else. In fact, live somewhere else for a while. You'll be coming back here saying, I like what we do. We have the greatest freedom in the world. And we can do just about anything. So with that in mind, that takes us to number four. And that is the Christian's response to government. What do we do? We've already seen sort of our role, but now what, you know, uh, what, how, do we, how do we deal with this? We, we're to be Christ representatives, witnesses of Jesus Christ. Now, that sounds kind of funny, but what we do is our role in this world, in this country, in this state, in this town, is to be representatives of Jesus Christ. That's who we represent. We do not represent Stillwater Bible Church although we can tell people we want you to come to our church and you want us to be with us, and we would love to be there with you, but we don't represent this church, we represent Jesus Christ. But you can tell people, hey, this church I go to, please come, but you are a representative of Christ. We stand for him. Look at this right here. 
You are the salt of the earth. If the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does it anyone lamp a light, uh, a lamp, and then put it under a basket. No, you give it out. So we are the salt and the light. As you know, the salt, in fact, let me put it this way, we're the salt and the light. The salt preserves, the salt adds flavor. We're supposed to go into our culture and people be attracted to Jesus because of how we live and what we do. Now think about that. One of the things that I'm bothered by is that culturally, the world thinks Christianity is against things. That we're against this and against abortion and against this, and they we're against these people, and we're and and that's they see us as those who are negative, and we're we're for Jesus Christ. We're for proclaiming the greatest message of all. Our message is not what we're against. Our message is who we represent. Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. So as we go out as salt, which are preservatives, how we live in a fallen culture, we live as lights in a fallen world. We live as those who bring goodness in a fallen world. We're the lights of the world, which we show the way. We tell people how you can have eternal life. Listen, I guarantee you, there are countless people you come in contact with every day that do not know Jesus Christ as Savior. They may go to a church. That doesn't mean one thing, y'all. You can say, well, they're okay because they go to this church or they go to this church or they go to that church. Listen, going to a church has nothing to do with it. I'm amazed at how many people have gone to church all their life. And you can ask them, what do you think the gospel message is? What do you think the salvation message is? And they don't have a clue. And they've been in church all their lives. I would hope if somebody came to you and said, what do you think the salvation message is? You would say, Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin and rose again, and whoever believes in him has what? Eternal life. That's the message. Most people don't know that. So we're supposed to be the salt and the light in a crooked and fallen world. That's what we do. So that, that's the goal. And let me show you. Here's what's so amazing. Here's the goal of the whole thing. To glorify our heavenly Father. That's what it's all about. Think about this. Look what it says. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And when Jesus was talking about that as the Sermon on the Mount, we saw that many weeks ago when we went through that part. He's not talking about Christians to Christians there. He's talking about Christians in a whole world so that even the world will glorify the Father who's in heaven. So how do we live day in and day out as representatives of Jesus Christ in a fallen culture under a government that God has established, in fact, under the greatest government that God has established so far. Now, we brought this out at the very beginning of the study. When Jesus Christ comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, sets up his kingdom, what kind of government will it be? What's it going to be? Dictatorship. People go, dictatorship. Oh, I hate dictatorships. Well, if you have a, a bad person or even a decent person as a dictator, but when you have a perfect person as the dictator who knows, does all things well, does all things perfect. So when he comes as the king of kings and lord of lords, and guess, guess what, when he rules, who gets to rule with him? We do. If, if we live righteously and godly, if we serve him, if we gain rewards, if we do the right thing, if when we stand before him, he says what? 
Well done. He may or may not say that. I want, we want him to. Okay, now, the second thing, and I'm going to get through here in a second, be involved in the process. We live in a country that you can vote. You can run for office. You can campaign for somebody. You can, you can bring up and say that this needs to change. This is wrong. We need to change this. And, and you can voice your opinion. You can do anything you want. We live in a great country that we have the right to say what we want to do, to run for office, to vote for people. I mean, there are other places in the world they never voted in their life for anything. They don't have any say of their government. We do. And you can be involved. Remember we said at the very beginning, some people say, stay away from government, and others say, government's the answer, government's not the answer. But we live in a place in which we can be involved in the process. And so we can vote and run for office and sign petitions and be involved, and, and uh, that's, that's a great thing to do. That's a great thing to do. And then last but not least, just remember this, that this world's temporary. <clears throat> We're just passing through. What's our citizenship? Where is it? It's in heaven. We're just passing through. We're ambassadors for Christ as though he did beseech through us. See, an ambassador lives somewhere different than their home. Our home is in heaven. We're living on this earth. We get to represent Jesus Christ. And so as ambassadors for Christ, uh, we get to do that. We're just passing through. Some of us are passing through faster than others. <laughs> Seems like, you know. We run the race, fight the fight. I think of Paul. And I always get to the end of his life and I read Second Timothy and he says, I'm ready to be poured out as a drink offering, which means I'm ready, I'm ready to die. And then he says, you know, I've fought the fight. I've run the race. I've kept the faith. <clears throat> when we stand before him, and we're going to see it on Sunday morning, if I can talk it out, we're going to see about rewards. And when you stand before Jesus Christ, what will he say? We hope he says, well done. Take this. Take this position. See, when he rules as the king, we get to rule too, if we've been faithful. Wow. You know, I'll be over there going like this, and I'm saying, whatever you want me to do, I'm ready. I'll, I'll rake leaves, I'll sweep on, you know, those golden streets, I'll, you know. Yeah. Do all we can do. So let me give you some applications so we can close and then you can go to grow groups. The first one is this. As believers, our responsibility is to submit, to pay taxes, and to pray for our leaders. That's a responsibility. To submit to the government, to pay the taxes, and pray for leaders. But number two is, may, may we expect consequences if we disobey. And that's okay. There's sometimes it's okay to disobey. Sometimes to say, I will take whatever the consequences are. Because, let, let me ask you this question. I think back, I, I read a lot of books on the Holocaust. I, um, what if you were a family and there were Jewish people that came and you hid them in your house? And you knew that you were disobeying the government by protecting those lives. Would you do that? I hope I would, and I hope if they came and said, do you have anybody here? I go, no, I don't, I don't, no thing, no, no. And somebody said, well, J.B., you're telling people it's okay to lie. No, I'm telling people it's okay to save a life. Sometimes I might do wrong to save a life. Sometimes I'm in a situation where I may have to say something wrong to save a life. I'd do that. Wouldn't you do that? Well, if I didn't tell the truth, it's still wrong. 
but I'm not going to let the government know that I'm hiding somebody. I hope it never comes to anything like that in the United States that we have to hide, that we have to protect fellow believers somehow from a government that goes off the deep end. But I guarantee you, in Germany and that, they didn't expect that that would happen to their country, but it did. So if, if we disobey, expect whatever consequences are. Number three, as believers, our role is to be salt and light, be involved in the process, knowing this is not our home and it's temporary. So um, some good stuff. And uh, next week, I'm going to do a, a two-part study on obeying Christ's commands. We're going to look at four of them and see how that fits. Two next week, two the week after that.